Good morning. This week we read the Perasha Teruma. The Perasha begins with the words Daber el Bnei Israel vayichuli Teruma. Speak to the children in Israel, and they should take. We translate take for me Teruma. Ibn Ezra writes the words vayichuli that they take for me is similar to the form Suda Eli, turn to me. Suda Eli means turn from your place and come to me. Vayichuli, he says, has a similar connotation. It means, let him take from what he owns and give it to me. The same is true of the words, Kechili, fetch me. And we see this in Melachim. But we could also look at these words and say, Vayichuli, they should take me. Take me, literally, take me, Hashem. A few Pesukim later, we read one of the most famous Pesukim, Vasuli Mikdash, they should make for me a sanctuary. Veshachanti, and I will dwell. Betocham, among them. The even uh, the Orachayim Hakadosh writes, it does not say within it betocho, which means that the place that Hashem will sanctify to dwell there is not within, so to say, the Mishkan, not within a room, but within Bnei Israel that encircle the Mishkan with their four banners. I think the crux of the idea of the Mishkan is a method of connecting, of connecting with Hashem. And we'll talk about that more as we go through the week. I saw a beautiful thought brought by Rabbi Frand with relation to the the Kiruvim. We see that the first thing that Moshe lists is the the uh, creation of the Aron, and on top of the Aron, on top of the Ark, which will house the Luchot, will be the Kerubim. And I, I, I related this because of a story that I came across on Shabbat, and I read to Chantel, and I'm going to share both with you. So Rabbi Fran tells us that we should understand the different views between the Goyim and Bnei Israel of the Kerubim. The Gemara quotes in the name of Rav Katina that when Bnei Israel came up for their pilgrimage festivals, the Kohanim would pull back the curtain in the Bet HaMikdash and show them that the Keruvim, one of which had masculine features and one of which had feminine features, were embracing one another. The Kohanim would say, See how beloved you are before the Almighty, like the love of a male and a female. We see this in the Gemara Yoma. The Gemara there continues. Rish Lakish says that when the Goyim invaded and entered the Kodesh HaKodeshim, they saw the Kiruvim embracing like man and wife, and they brought them out to the street and they mocked. These Jews whose blessing is a blessing and whose curse is a curse, look at what they occupy themselves with in their Holy of Holies. They debased Kalal Yisrael, ridiculed them for this perceived impropriety. This Chazal inter- interpreted the meaning of the Pasuk, that we see in Echa, all who once respected her disparage her. The Rishonim on Yoma ask a very interesting question. The Kiruvim were not always embracing. They were only embracing when Bnei Israel did the will of the Almighty. Their embrace mirrored how Hashem felt toward his people. When he loved them, they embraced. When Hashem was angry with his people, they were separate. Rabbi would say they would actually turn from each other. 
The Rishonim ask that when the Goyim came into the Bet HaMikdash to destroy it, the last thing we would expect to find was the Kiruvim embracing. They should have not even been looking at one another. Why are they apparently mirroring God's love for us at that moment? The Rishonim answer, At this point, the destruction, the Churban of the Bet HaMikdash had already happened. Hashem's wrath was already spent. The Bet HaMikdash had already been destroyed. Now let's make up. Thus, even while the walls were still burning, the Kiruvim were embracing again. Why, in fact, do we have in our Kodesh HaKodeshim the image of a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, engaging in an embrace? This is something that the Goyim could not understand. They mocked it. They used it to make us a laughing stock. How do we understand this? Rabbi Franz suggests that the interpretation is that the Kiruvim are like the famous Rorschach inkblot test. Psychologists and psychiatrists take blotches of ink that come out in random form and ask patients to tell them what they see. What a person quote-unquote sees says everything about what he is, where his thoughts are, where his values are, where his mind is. The Kiruvim were the Rorschach test They were a man and a woman embracing in a loving and enduring fashion. What is that? Is that pure or impure? Is it holy or profane? The answer is, it is all in the eyes of the beholder. A goy may look at that and may have impure thoughts. There is only one thing that happens when men and women are in such an embrace, and it is very far from being holy. Therefore, to the goyim who came in, It was the biggest demonstration of an incongruity. How incongruous that they mocked to have such imagery in the Kodesh HaKodeshim. But to Kalal Yisrael, the embrace between a husband and wife does not have to be impure and profane. It could be the holiest of acts. The mitzvah of Onah, of having relations between a husband and a wife of a Torah scholar is specifically on the night of the Shabbat the holiest day of the week. If one would ask an untutored mind on the holiest day of the week in what activities should a Talmud Hacham engage, the secular or the Goyish perspective would be that marital relationship would be the last thing one should do on such a day. This is the difference between B'nai Israel and the Umot HaOlam, and those who specifically destroyed the Bet HaMikdash. To us, the embrace of the Kiruvim represent exactly what the Kodesh HaKodeshim is all about. A holy intimacy. This is what Kiddushah, holiness, is all about. There is no aspect of human existence that cannot be elevated and cannot be made holy. This is symbolic of everything else in life. Rabbi Akiva states, All biblical writings are holy, but Shid Hashirim, which portrays the love of a male and a female, is a holy of holies. Yalkut Shimoni teaches us, an unlettered person reads Shid Hashirim with a snicker. The sensual descriptions seem far from holy writings. Rabbi Akiva states that not only is it holy, it is a Kodesh HaKodeshim. It symbolizes our relationship with Hashem. Holiness or lack of it is all in the eyes of the beholder. <clears throat> I thought of that because of a story that I read on Friday night. Often in the newsletter every week, I 
print after the newsletter. I, I take the Word uh, version of the newsletter, and then I add lots of things that are sent to me. So I might end up with 30, 40 pages and never sure what's going to be in there. And we sit down and we read, see what we come across. So as I sat down, Sudashilishi with Chantel, it was just the two of us, wanted to have bread before. We, uh, I came across the story and I read it to her. And I'm going to share it with you. The Baal Shem Tov was once sitting on a Friday night at his Shabbat table with his family and close disciples. Suddenly, at the end of Kiddush, the Baal Shem Tov began to laugh. The disciples were startled, but out of respect for their holy master, they remained silent. They began the dinner for Shabbat and recited Hamotzi. They tasted the fish, and then again the Baal Shem Tov let out a huge laughter. Disciples again were astounded. Maybe there's some humor in the fish, they thought. But there's nothing funny about the fish. As the meal progressed and they began singing the songs of Shabbat, the Baal Shem Tov began to laugh a third time. It was an absolute mystery. After Shabbat, one of the students asked his master, Rabbi, what were you laughing about? The Baal Shem Tov asked him to summon the bookbinder of town. He was a fine, poor, simple, and God-fearing Jew named Shabsi. When Shabsi arrived, the Baal Shem Tov gathered his students and asked the bookbinder to share with them what, it had, what had transpired at his home during the Friday night meal. Shabsi blushed, feeling very uncomfortable, but the Baal Shem Tov reassured him, Please tell us. For years, Shabsi was struggling to earn a living. Life in the 18th century Ukraine was not easy but he always saved up some extra rubles to be able to afford a beautiful and festive Shabbat dinner for the holy day. Shabbat, an island in time, a transcendental oasis, was his cherished day, and he wanted to celebrate it with full tranquility and joy. But that past week, due to the heavy snow, there was no business. <clears throat> Nobody came to buy any books. Friday morning, he realized he didn't even have a single ruble to give to his wife to purchase food for Shabbat. There would be no candles burning, no wine, no challah, no vegetables, no fish, no meat, no fruits, no dessert. Sadness set into his heart. So he went to the synagogue and stayed there all Friday, reciting Tehillim and studying the weekly Torah portion. Friday night, after Tefillah, he came home expecting to find it empty and dark. To his amazement, the house was lit up with glowing candles. The table was decorated with the most exquisite of foods. His wife explained that when she saw the pain in his eyes, that he would not be able to celebrate the holy day as he always did, she felt she had to find a solution. So she searched and searched and discovered an old coat of hers that had golden buns. She sold them and purchased all of this beautiful Shabbat food so they would have an amazing Shabbat together. Shabzi continues telling the story. I made the Kiddush. My heart welled with gratitude to Hashem for giving us the opportunity to celebrate this special exquisite day, the day of rest, the day of oneness, the day of ecstasy and serenity, the day in which we can connect to our spiritual core. I was so grateful and so moved by what my wife had done, I could not contain my joy, and I asked my wife if she would dance with me. She agreed, so I joined my wife for a dance around the candlelit Shabbat table. 
We continued our Shabbat dinner. I finished the fish and again my wife and I were overwhelmed with so much gratitude. We couldn't thank Hashem enough for allowing us to enjoy this beautiful day of exquisite rest and inner tranquility. A day saturated with so much holiness, peacefulness, intimacy, love, serenity. I asked my wife, would you dance with me again? And she said, of course. So my wife and I, for the second time, went for a fiery dance around the Shabbat table. We danced with all our heart and mind and soul. Then we sat down and began to sing the songs of Shabbat, both melting in delight. We felt so privileged to have each other in our lives and to have Hashem and to have the gift of Shabbat. I felt so grateful for all my years with my amazing wife at my side. We both could not hold back the limitless joy. I asked my wife if she would dance again with me, and she said, absolutely. So for the third time, we joined hands and hearts, and we began to dance and dance around the table until the end of the evening. This, Shabsi said, is what happened in our home on Friday night. The Baal Shem Tov looked at Shabsi, the bookbinder, and said, Shabsi, I want you to know that as you danced with your wife, heaven was dancing with you. As the two of you joined hands and hearts and sang and danced, the angels themselves were dancing in Shamayim. The eternal heart itself heard your music and it was warmed. Hashem himself was dancing and celebrating with you. And I too, the Baal Shem Tov said, participated in your joy. On a Shabbat of such perfect transcendent happiness, who wouldn't laugh? Each time you both got up to dance, I could not contain my laughter and joy. The Baal Shem Tov looked at Shabsi and said, And now I want to bless you. What do you want? What do you need? Shabzi said, my dear Rebbe, we have been blessed with so much, but my wife and I never had a child. We would love to be blessed with a child. The Baal Shem Tov said, I bless you that Hashem should grant you and your spouse a child. And indeed, a year later, a young boy was born. They named him with the same name as the Baal Shem Tov, Yisrael. He grew up to become one of the greatest spiritual luminaries of Polish Jewry, known as the Koshnitzer Magid one of the great Hasidic masters, the author of a work called Avodat Yisrael, and he brought so much wisdom, depth, love, and light to Polish Jewry. Sometimes you're sitting alone with your spouse or with another loved one or with yourself, enjoying a moment of holiness, a purity of love, a moment of Shabbat. You're doing a mitzvah, you're engaged in Torah study, and you might think, I'm just a simple man, a simple woman, unimportant, invisible, inconsequential, who knows, who cares? But as you kindle your flame of holiness in this world, and you dance with your blazing heart, remember, heaven is dancing with you. And the Sadiq laughs along. After I read the story, we couldn't help but get up together and we started to dance together around the table. Bezrat Hashem, you should all find the joy in the Shabbat, in the mitzvot, in the connection to Hashem, to be able to dance together. As we begin Adar, or Marbim Vesimcha, we increase our joy. Bezrat Hashem, the blessings of Adar should circulate among all the Jewish people, and we should find Yeshua very soon. And Mashiach, Amen.